0: We wanted to be that premier club. We had guys that believed in each other and worked together. We took a lot of responsibility on ourselves to really see the Vikings as a contender.
1: Good evening, everyone. Welcome in. It's another edition of Skull Stories. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw, coming to you from TCO Studios at Winter Park with a super cool edition of Skull Stories tonight. ...because we're going to go back to the Purple People Eaters era. We have a conversation with Vikings legend and Hall of Famer Carl Eller. He's going to be our guest in a little bit here on Skull Stories. But first I'm going to introduce you to the man who interviewed Carl and had this conversation with him... ...and got into so many cool things about Carl Eller's past and also what he's doing right now. That is Craig Peters. He is our senior most full-time writer with the Minnesota Vikings. In fact, he's coming up on the two-year anniversary of his hire. And aren't it, you, Craig? It's been a fantastic two years. And um, part of the fantastic two years has been getting to know better the history of an NFL team. Absolutely. And um, and you got to know Carl Eller uh, quite well over the years, and your interview with him is going to be what constitutes Skull stories uh, tonight. Now, Carl, the unique part about him as a Purple People Leader is he played collegiately at the University of Minnesota and became a pro for the Minnesota Vikings. So that's kind of the unique twist that he has on the Purple People Leaders, but you got into a lot more with him. What did you like about this conversation?
2: Oh, it's it's so great to to connect with Carl Eller and revisit those glory days and, and just how great this legacy of this franchise is because of the people that, that helped build it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all went on to leave legacies after their playing careers too. When you think about those players, and and Carl is just a fantastically nice guy. Yeah, uh, very very friendly. Uh, love love the way he tells stories too that, that are coming up. Uh, we we went all the way back to when he was drafted by the Vikings. He really loved Minnesota, coming from North Carolina. It was it was uh, mid '60s and. Uh, Kind of a lot going on in the, in that era. So mm-hmm. when he got here, he was really welcomed and loved it, and uh, really wanted to stay here.
1: Yeah, you guys get into training camp stories all the way back to Bemidji. To Bemidji, yeah. And then um, as you've turned it, he truly is a sack artist because right now he's into art. Right?
2: That's right. Yes, so. he transitioned nicely. So the yeah. same hands that mauled. Quarterbacks 130 times, yeah, uh, have created these beautiful set of bowls that are now in U.S. Bank Stadium.
1: Yeah, well, Vikings fans are excited about the current defensive line because of the way they can rush the passer, and that's because Vikings fans from long ago were excited about the Purple People Eater. So. That's the voice of Craig Peters. He is kind of our alumni expert here on staff, has a great relationship with a lot of our alumni, including Carl Eller, a Purple People Eater. Here is Craig's discussion with Mr. Eller.
2: Carl Eller, Hall of Fame defensive end, number 81, Vikings career leader in sacks. Welcome. Well, thank you. Born in North Carolina, but you arrive in Twin Cities University of Minnesota, and then an opportunity to stay in the Twin Cities. How did this area become your home, and and what was it like to to
0: have your career last here so long? Well, I came here from uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina to go to University of Minnesota. It was quite a transition for me. The culture was almost totally different, and uh, the University of Minnesota was like one of the premier schools, and obviously still is, and I was just really attracted to that. You get drafted by the Vikings, uh, you
2: guys, uh, 1964, I believe, uh, first winning season. What What did the area kind of respond to, to to that success? And then it was the precursor to even greater success.
0: Well, I really, like I said, I loved my career at the University of Minnesota, and I loved the area. And I did want to stay in Minnesota, and I wanted to uh, – I wanted to be a Viking. They weren't, um, at that time, they were just only a few years old, but they were the hometown team. And uh, I thought that uh, I could I could make the team and be part of the team, and uh, and that's what I thought. But mostly it was wanting to stay in the area and, and, and be a Viking. You
2: arrived the same year as, as Jim Finks. Uh, what, what's the relationship like with You and and him over the years here.
0: It took me a while to get to know uh, Jim Finks, but I was impressed with Jim Finks, and I thought he was a straight uh, shooter, kind of a guy. You know, he'd tell you something, and that's pretty what he meant. You know, he didn't have to agree with it, of course, but, you know, that's kind of what, you know, he was was kind of a man's man, I thought. He was honest and, and straightforward that helped a
2: little bit when you you
0: found out that uh Fran Tarkenton was going to be
2: traded in 1967 what what was the the player reaction to that and then it wound up paying off with with a load of picks that that kind of built the the core of of this team for the 70s and then Fran was able to come back
0: well i was kind of surprised that when fran left we were still on that you know building and um you know, I mean, Fran was our quarterback, and I, I, I really didn't like that, obviously, very much. You know, I, I thought, you know, we had a better chance with Fran here, and uh, uh, but um, you know, it was one of those things, and uh, and I think we had a couple of interim quarterbacks, and finally we got Joe Cap. You know, that came in, so it worked out really well, and we built up. The defense really built up strong, and so um, I think it added more pressure with Fran gone on the defense, and that that probably in the long run really helped us. A major part of one of the
2: most intimidating front fours in the history of football, what was it like to to see you guys grow in and, and become such a powerful force?
0: Well, it was the kind of thing that um, – you know, individually, we were we were teammates, obviously, and it was a good team. We felt like we were building. We felt like we were individually adding to it. I don't think that we saw ourselves as a unit, really, until we really started to gel as a unit and, and really work together. But as we did, though, there was a lot of pride that went with that. And it was a lot of pride in being, you know, the Purple People leaders and... You know, and Jim and I had a slogan, meet at the quarterback and then Allen joined us and brought the pressure up the middle and Larson was our Marine guy. You know, he was our, you know, catch everything else that we missed. So it was a good combination, and and we had a good relationship with each other off the field. So it was great. We had a lot of pride. I think that that's what it was, the pride in in ourselves as a unit.
2: Ellen described a a foot race to the quarterback, and you didn't want to be last.
0: (laughs) Well, that's pretty much true. We would, um, you know, it was a strategy of the game. Well, the big thing, you know, it's like about football— it's fundamentally a game really of science or math or whatever you want to call it, because you have to get them in a position to throw the ball. So our key situation in the beginning of the game was to put them in field position, to, to put them down to get ahead of them, even if it was only by a few points, and the pressure would build as, as it went on. So once we got them in that position, it was like um, we just cut loose, you know, and, and uh, that was fun. I've read that uh, Fran
2: Tarkin wasn't too happy about going against you guys when he was with the Giants. What well, was that like?
0: Uh, yeah, it's it's funny because we did play the Giants when uh, Fran was quarterback there, and I remember we played him up at uh, Giant Stadium in, in New York, and I still chuckle about it because – I had seen him do this to other defensive lines and defensive players, you know, number of times, and then I was in on him, and I was chasing him, and I, I was going to sack him, and he did that little twirl around on me. It was just like I had to do everything I could just to keep from laughing because he had done it on me. I was just so hilarious, you know. You guys
2: are able to really connect with fans in, in a certain way that, that just kind of launched the endearing factor. if you look around this area, the fans are fantastic and that's that's largely in part to the connection that the older family members and their families were able to, to form with you guys. what what is that bond here?
0: Well, you know, it, it was it was Minnesota. You know, I mean, we had to play in the call. The fans had to come out in the call. You know, there were times when I would be on the field and I would go like, oh my God, it must be awful sitting in those stands. So we knew they were faithful. And uh, it was a time when that was the topic of the week, and Monday depended on how we did on Sunday. You know, and people were miserable, and we didn't know about it. You know, and uh, and and it was fun for it was fun for us because we felt like they were part of us, and we were part of them, and uh, they loved the identity, the cold, the air coming out of your nose, and the hard feels, and they were in their snow suits and it was just it all fitted together was we we really were were a combination
1: more of our conversation with carl eller coming up after the break before we go want to invite you to join host mike mussman along with vikings defensive end everson griffin fresh off a three sack performance against the carolina panthers for vikings country this thursday at 5 30 p.m at carboni's in lakeville you could win great prizes from the vikings and miller light including tickets in the miller light lounge at u.s bank stadium visit vikings.com slash vikings country for schedule and locations and for more skull stories stay tuned Welcome back, everybody. It's Skull Stories, and I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw. More with Craig Peters' conversation with Carl Eller coming up. But first, brand-new, exclusive inaugural season gear has just arrived at the Vikings Locker Room Store, now open at U.S. Bank Stadium. For novelty items and apparel, visit the official Vikings Locker Room Store at Mall of America, U.S. Bank Stadium, and online at VikingsLockerRoom.com. Let's get back to one of the best Vikings of all time, purple people eater, Carl Eller.
2: You had the unique perspective of training camps in Bemidji and Mankato. What, what are a couple of your memories, some of the lighter moments from, from a couple of training camps?
0: Oh, well, there were a lot of lighter moments. I, I And there were lighter moments in both, but I spent my rookie year in Bemidji. And uh, one of the things they do is they have this rookie I don't know what they call it, some rookie initiation towards the end of camp. And uh, it was my first camp, obviously, and other rookies, Lonnie Warwick and other guys up there. And So these veterans, they played this dirty, rotten trick on us. They go out. They say, well, we're having a party for you guys. We were up to their scheme. We, Yeah, sure, they're going to give us a party. They really love us, right? <laughs> so we says, we don't think this is a party we want to go to. So we actually sneaked out, and we tried to hide in the theater. And I don't know, you know, I think there's like one theater in Bemidji at the time. So, you know, we're in there. We're not necessarily interested in the movie; I have no idea. But it was where we could go because there were a few hangouts that they know would they look for us. And we ended up there. And then, so next thing I know, these guys are coming. They come into the theater. They let them in. They didn't have to pay. This is we, we're here to collect our guys, and. Uh, So they come in and go, hey, we're having a party for you guys. Don't you guys want to come to your own party? (laughs) It was funny. So we ended up, you know, going to the party because we had kind of the night off, no film or anything. So these guys were saying they planted these seeds in us. We were so gullible. It's just, it's crazy. So they said, well, hey, uh, Van Brocken was a coach then. says, Van Brocken knows that we had a, this was a rookie night, so. You know, he's gonna come around and do a second bed check, so don't lock your door, right? So we go for this, right? So in the middle of the night, these guys come around with buckets of water and they squ- squish <laughs> us with full waste baskets full of water and just drench us in our beds and the beds are all wet and everything. Oh, it's like so funny, man. And and then we were then they ran into their rooms and locked the door and we could hear them just laughing behind the door. It was like it was a crazy. That was the most ridiculous thing I can remember, but it was all fun.
2: That that sounds
0: like something that Jim Marshall might have organized. Well, I, Jim was my roommate. I don't think he organized it, but he was probably in on it for sure. What was it
2: like to for the two of you to uh
0: room together? Well, well, Jim was a was a leader and he was um he was kind of mischievous, too. So this is like he knew how to bend around all the rules. <laughs> so it was kind of fun to follow Jim around. I learned a lot of things from Jim, you know, and I'm uh, not sure they were all good things. But the point is is that Jim was fun, and uh, he was uh, certainly a dedicated ball player, and, uh, you know, he gave give us all, you know. And uh, he was uh, he was a great guy. He was a great guy. And he really understood the game. You know, he really was committed to the game. He, he knew what it took to win and how you had to give yourself. And so he set, a, he set a standard, you know, and that there was nothing less than that. And that's what I admire, I think, probably most about Jim, is he was always the leader. 1967,
2: in, in addition to uh, changing quarterback and the arrival of Alan Page, you also had the arrival of Bud Grant. And you were able to play for him for for more than uh, 12 seasons, I believe. Uh, What was it like to play for Coach Grant?
0: I think that coaches and players, they adjust to each other, you know, to their personalities. And uh, Van Brocklin was very different, you know, in his approach to the game and his style. But you adjust to that. And uh, and, uh, Bud was very different. And so uh, uh, I think at that point I had kind of adjusted and adopted to uh, Norm's style, and I knew how it was. And I I think I probably had some loyalty and some allegiance to to Norm. I didn't like Bud's style right away, you know, because it was all disciplinary, and it was all this, and you got to do it this way, and you got to follow these rules. And I'm going like, oh, crap, you know, this is just ridiculous. And so, so that was a lot of bending, you know. It was a lot of... You know, and the stuff that Bud had to do, and I think it was with everybody because everybody kind of gotten used to that. You know, almost a foot loose and fancy free. We were disciplined to the to 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 a certain point, but there was a lot of areas where we didn't have discipline. And I think guys, when Bud came in and tried to enforce all these rules and all this discipline we were like oh man this guy is is weird and that's why i think we started calling bud we had a name for him i don't know it was like i don't know gray eyes was one name but we used to call him it was like an out of space name or something because he was just totally he just seemed like he was not in touch with us at all he like he had his thing this is it was like a some space man's name we had for him like an Italy. this guy is like not from this planet we would say but um you know eventually we came around we saw his methods and 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 once we did it was um it was great
2: first playoff season in 68 First playoff win in '69, go on and win the 1969 NFL championship, and and begin uh, the stretch of uh, runs to the Super
0: Bowls. I think it started with with, uh, with Bud coming there. We were close. I think we lost the first playoff game. After that, we had confidence in ourselves. We we felt like we belong in the playoffs and we could win. And we that was our goal, you know. So I think that that really set the standard for us, and we began to believe we were no longer the Vikings that we had been before. We were a, we were not pushovers. We were contending teams and, and we wanted to, uh, we wanted to be that premier club, you know, and that was certainly true with our front four. And the idea was, is that I don't think we had a lot of talent, but we had a good solid talent. You know, we had, we had, we had guys that believed in each other and worked together And we took the front four, I think was part of it, was that we took a lot of responsibility on ourselves. And and that leadership role was to be a championship team, to really see the Vikings as a a contender.
2: Post-career, you've become so involved in the arts. The execution that you've you've done is, is on display in U.S. Bank Stadium. What's it like to have contributed to the legacy of the franchise in one way and then have another opportunity to to remain with it.
0: Well, I think that that's that's phenomenal, you know, and and, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is a whole new way and a whole new era. I think it says a lot about the organization that I could contribute in another way, another part of me, in another facet of me. I could do something like so totally different, but yet be part of it. You know, that is just, is kind of unreal really. Uh, and years later too, you know, but the artwork itself is an expression and I love the artwork. And uh, when I think about it, it's an area that I really would love to have developed, you know, to have become a real artist in this in this medium and not that I would take away from my football or any of that, but but I but I see that the the art it it gives me pleasure, but I see it, it as a way of expression. And uh, I know you were talking with Alan Page and you'll talk with Jim. But Alan and I, I thought that football was an art. Alan, you know, he's very matter of fact, and so he goes, "It's just a game or whatever." But I think there's a comparison or similarities there. It's it's a way of expressing yourself, and uh, and and I like that I can take my creativeness and and place it in in my art. I don't know if you know this, but he did use the term that there is.
2: Uh, kind of a hidden art to the game so maybe i don't, well, I don't know maybe if that's your influence
0: on him maybe, or? maybe he's warming up a little bit maybe he's warming after all these years he's finally warming up a little bit yes i don't know that he will totally ever admit you know but alan's a great guy you know and uh, uh i i really admire him and and what he's done i just think he's just a phenomenal person and it was obviously fun to play with and and uh, all of these experiences were like great experiences you know like just with the team and with the individuals and so so it's been a, it's been a great great time
2: I'd love to know a little bit more about the the lakes that we have here in Minnesota were, were your inspiration for the the set of bowls but like your your process of, of getting it to that point like you really had to be innovative with some of your techniques because of the weight I mean these hands that that were so detrimental to quarterbacks can create something so so beautiful and something that people can enjoy so peacefully.
0: The the two kind of go hand in hand. It was just like <clears throat> when I was working with the clay, I could really I could really dig into the clay, and 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 as I began to dig into the clay, I began to see the clay form, and it would give me forms and shapes and things like that and 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 it would start to develop into something. And the thing that I really liked about it or I found myself doing was that I would start out with a project or start out with an idea, but it would evolve and I'd kind of sort of steer it along the path that I wanted it to go. But also, there was another energy that was kind of, so it was like a combination. So it was like I was putting my energy into it, but it was like there was a force within the bowl or within the clay that says, okay, and it would show me something, and I'd go like, oh, that's really neat. I like that. I like that. And then I'd have to, so if I got it that way and it wasn't what I wanted, it's not going, I says, well, what can I do to make this work? You know, so it was challenging. And also they were not repetitive. That was the challenge was to make something different and unique. And so a lot of the ideas actually came through working with the Bulls and the final product came actually through. And in order to get to a finished product, I had to create I had to be innovative in, in, in making it work. You know, so that was that was a really fun part. What do you think of the new stadium? Oh, I think the new stadium is exceptional. Um, And it really is a credit to the With family, and it's a credit to the Viking organization. You know, I know they had offers to do it many other places, but uh, I think that the stadium, because I live in Minneapolis, and like I said earlier, I live here. I I love Minnesota. I've continued to live here right in Minneapolis. And uh, I think it adds to the whole area. You know, I think it... uh, it really complements the area and it complements the people because it's a nice, you know, building. The engineering that went in there is like so fantastic. And where it's placed, it's part of the city, you know, and, and, and it kind of dominates in one specter. But I don't think it dominates in the sense that it takes away from Anything I think it adds to it. It kind of completes it. And so when you see it in connection with downtown Minneapolis and all that, how it connects, I just think it's very impressive. I am. Um, I think it's like the chandelier. Say, you know, it's like now you got this one big thing, and it's like it leads to all of the activities in the in the in the city. So that little promenade, you know, from like the stadium to like the heart of downtown. I Yeah, I think people are going to enjoy that more and more as time goes by.
2: Hall of Famer Carl Eller and an accomplished artist, thank you so
1: much for joining us. Thank you, Craig. It's
0: been my pleasure.
1: That's an awesome conversation with Purple People Eater, Vikings legend and Hall of Famer Carl Eller, um, done by Craig Peters. Craig, a lot of similarities, as we mentioned at the top of the show, between the Purple People Eater's in the 60s and 70s, and this current group working for Mike Zimmer right now. Now, that's a lofty comparison because those guys, the Purple People Eaters, did it for you know more than a decade. These guys are just getting going under Mike Zimmer, but there are some similarities in terms of style and even some production now.
2: Oh, that's absolutely true, and I think it was so fitting that the Purple People Eaters were at the coin toss to open U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah. And then when you hear Carl describe how they wanted to put teams in bad field position, and then let loose. I mean, does that sound familiar? It does.
1: Um, Vikings opponents have started inside the 20 13 times. Zero scores. That's incredible. you know, And something that you and I and Lindsey and Eric and the VEN crew have been, that, that's been very rich content for us. We love that. And Vikings fans they love their 1998-style Vikings, the Randy Moss, Chris Carter, high-scoring, that whole thing. But they really, really love defensive football, don't you think? That's something special, 13.3 a game right now. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So a uh, l- little bit of a throwback-style football team for your current minnesota vikings looking a little bit like the purple people leaders of old so thanks craig your conversation with carl eller very good thanks for uh, contributing that. absolutely glad to all right that's it for this edition of skull stories on behalf of producer nate vaughn i'm your host mike Wobshaw. we thank you for listening and we invite you to join us next week when another edition of skull stories is coming at you